This podcast is brought to you by Stella Artois. When you're planning to enjoy everything Houston has to offer, especially all the great restaurants in our city, start with Estella. Whether you're going to eat with friends or solo, start with Estella. Stella Artois. Enjoy responsibly. Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's bi-weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. This is the Tuesday show, well, airing on airing on Wednesday, where we talk about uh, some news in the world of restaurants and a place that we have had a meal at recently. To do that, I am joined by my co-host this week. She is an expert on food, wine, and good times. Felice Sloan, welcome back to the show. How are you? I am wonderful. I'm happy to be on the Tuesday show that airs on Wednesday. How about that? We're we're juggling for Yom Kippur. I that's just uh, that's how it goes. So thank you for your flexibility and and apologies to anyone who's listening that was confused about why they didn't get their normal Tuesday show. Oh, and one moment. So not to mess things all the way up. Let me get us back on track. Ask me how I'm doing again. I'm sorry. Ask me how I'm doing again. Police, how are you doing? Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, I you didn't you didn't do it and I was confused. It's not See? it's not a Felice Sloan appearance I, without I a know. hey, hey, I, hey. You know, the allergies got me messed up, so I just had to give the people what they want. Yep, yep, yep. All right, let's dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one. The New York Times named two Houston restaurants to its list of the fifty places in the United States that we're most excited about right now. They are Gatlin's Fins and Feathers, a southern restaurant uh, in Independence Heights, and El Higadense, a Mexican restaurant in Spring Branch. Uh, Felice, I want to I want to talk about this in in some depth, but but first I gotta I gotta throw it to you. Give Greg Gatlin his flowers for for getting Gatlin's Fins and Feathers on this list. You know, I am a hundred percent with you. Like it is so well deserved. I feel like people outside of Houston get it more than people inside of Houston. Like, what's up? I am so excited that Fins and Feathers made the list. Greg is so very deserving, and kudos to them. You know, I I think that's an interesting point, that that Greg, Greg is kind of on the rise, right? Like, we saw Greg very prominently featured in the High on the Hog documentary on Netflix, he was the guest judge on the barbecue episode of Top Chef a couple of years ago. I think maybe we may take Greg for, you know, we have so much barbecue. And and so Gatlin's is a good restaurant among a host of other good restaurants. We have a lot of Southern food, right? Places to go for, for some of the dishes that Gatlin's Fins and Feathers serves, like fried chicken and fried catfish and oysters. That, yeah, that maybe we may not, we may not give him full credit for for everything that he's built and he's accomplished and i you know what i think it's because like he is a barbecue guy and people kind of have put him in that space but then when they go to the restaurant they're like oh my god it's so good you know and then for so long you know michelle was at the front of that so then it also made it like okay, yeah, this is also Gatlin's. Like, it's just, 
people aren't putting it together. So I'm glad that nationally people get it. And then that helps people in Houston. Like, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're they're proud. That's our restaurant. It's so good. So hopefully that'll kind of sink back up, <laughs> you know, at some point where it's right. like he does barbecue. Because look at all these other places that do barbecue. I mean, I'm sorry. They do um, Italian and seafood and Chinese food and, you know. That's all another story, but yes. <laughs> yes. No, I, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm guilty of this too. Right. I went to Gatlin's Fins and Feathers a couple of times, right. When it opened, I liked it, but it hasn't been a priority for me to get back there. Even though, you know, I sort of recognize that, like, as you said, Michelle Wallace is, is off on her own. She's doing the sandwich thing and, and the restaurant continues to evolve. And it's like, I, I owe it another visit. And, and, you know, I, I don't want to exist in a world where, where the New York times is hipper about Houston restaurants than I am. Like that's, that's unacceptable. That part, (laughs) that part. Yes. So, all right. And then gumbo, all of the things. Yes. Right. So you're, you are, as we know, you are the gumbo snob. So this, this gumbo passes your test. It does. It does. Now I haven't had it in a while. So I need to go. You like you said, you owe it a visit. The last couple times I've gone, I didn't get gumbo. Um, you know, it's super hot in the summer, so I wasn't even trying to deal with any gumbo. So maybe we should sync up since you know seafood is kind of our thing, as you pointed out lately. Maybe we should sync up and go. You know, give them a try again. Yeah, I'm I'm in for all that. All right, and then El Higadense. I mean, this is a restaurant that's been on long point for many many years and so it's always a little bit strange to see like such an older well-established restaurant on a list like this because it's kind of like it it doesn't change right like correct if you go there on a sunday the cabrito the you know the roasted cabrito and the and the the caldo and the the corn tortillas and all that stuff they were the same five years ago. They were the same 10 years ago. They'll be the same 10 years from now. So it's always a I'm little bit strange so when a restaurant like that gets on a list like this. Cause it's kind of like all I, all I really want to know is like Priya Krishna is the food writer for the times. She wrote the entry for El Higadense. I just want to know who she knows in Houston. That was like, you don't need to go to the trendier. Like you don't need to go to Urbe. You don't need to go to Tetemo. You don't need to go to Cochinita and co you need to go to this old school place and have goat. Like I just, I, I want to know who that person is. Cause that is, that is one of the more effective media relations jobs in recent uh, Houston restaurant history. That that's, that's very well done by whatever friend of El Higadense did that for them. What it does for me though, it kind of, um, dare I say, it kind of discounts the list a little bit, not to take anything away from them. They deserve it. So they're all deserving and all of that. It discounts the list to me based on exactly what you just said. Someone that is their favorite restaurant, that is their shit. And they're like, "Uh uh-uh, like you just said, "Uh uh-uh, this is where you need to go. And so maybe they went. Let's just go in the world. Maybe they came into Houston. She went to the restaurant, right? Yeah, she divides her time between New York and Dallas. So I I fully believe that she has eaten at El Higadense. Yeah. You didn't just pluck it off like from reading about it. She she Correct. she went there and was impressed by it. I'm I'm confident. It was that. blown away, blown away, not knowing 
But see, not knowing, like, oh my God. I mean, you know, maybe she thought about it. Maybe someone says been there for a while, but not knowing. So it discounts a list a bit, a little bit to me, because I'm like, how many other places did you go to? Why that needs to be kind of talked about, like how it made the list to make it make sense to me. That's all I'm saying. Right, right, right. Cause cause like just in Spring Branch, right? She could have gone to Dona Leda or you know, Dona yeah. Lena. She mm-hmm. could have gone to the the Torta place that everybody loves. I mean, there's yeah. like there's so many interesting Mexican restaurants yeah. all over Houston. It's just like it's like, how did you get like Gatlin's, I understand. Greg's been on TV. He's doing really cool Southern food. It's new, right? It opened in 2022. So it's 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 barely a year old. Like, like that'll make sense to me. How did you wind up in this family-owned? Like, how did that make the list? That that like as a I don't I don't like to engage in too much media criticism because I think it's kind of inside baseball, but like I do always I do always wonder about like the process of how. 50 restaurants in America, only four in Texas. There's two more in Austin. Like, how do you get to El Higadense? And and like you said, it's delicious. I'm happy they're getting some attention. I'm sure it'll drive some business their way. It's a reminder to everyone. It's like, oh yeah, you know, it's probably been a couple of years since you've been there. Go eat the cabrito, eat the caldo, eat, eat all the things. But like, how did it, like how? And, and where else did she go? And where and else? How did Correct. It, All the things that you think about. All right. those things are. W- when I saw it, I'm like, huh? Everything that you're saying, or the things that popped in my head before I could even read what she had to say. Like, right now, what I what I will say is sometimes you know when you're putting a list together like this, you want to. Well, you know, like Tatemo was just a food and wine best new chef, right? So, all right, so that's been thoroughly covered, right? You're the New York Times. You want to put your spin on things. You got to you got to go off the board. You got to give us, you got to give people something they're not expecting. So, you know, maybe they were looking Let's for give something, them something looking, to talk about. Right, right. Not <laughs> Ninf is too obvious. Maybe Pico's too obvious. So, all right, El Higadense. It's like, okay. I mean, it's cool. It's great for them. Uh, it's delicious. People should eat there. I just like, yeah, the, the mechanics of that always, always make me chuckle a little bit. Yep. All right. Uh, topic number two uh, a couple of quick closures to note. The first is the Kimson Stafford location that closed Sunday the twenty fourth, and then Pho Bin by night the the Asia Town Vietnamese Pho restaurant is closing uh, this Sunday, October first. Uh, Felice, I, I don't I don't know Southwest Side. I don't know if this is this is necessarily your area, but but do you have any memories of either having dim sum at Kimson or late night Pho at Pho Bin by night? Fubbin by night is a kind of a hard pressure. It just breaks my heart a little bit because it is an amazing late night spot, right? And you can roll up on, you always see people, industry people, or friends that I know that are late night, that's where we're going. Somewhere, and we're probably going to end up there. Um, Kim Sung, not so much. That wasn't my Kim Sung, but it is an institution, right? Like it's been there forever yeah since 1999 and and you know i grew up in sugarland not far from the fountains which is the shopping center at at uh highway nine you know basically 59 uh right near highway 90 where that kim san is and i will say i went to that dim sum i've been to that for dim sum in the last 
couple of years and it is like the most bustling busy like show up wait an hour for a table food flying everywhere just chaotic uh destination i know it's hosted you know they've got private rooms any number of weddings and other celebrations have been hosted there you know weeknight dinners and of course you know kim sod is one of those restaurants it's like such a local institution. We don't, yeah. we don't talk about it all that often. It kind of flies under the the media radar, but like it's the first, I think for a lot of people, it's like Mize and Kim San, or especially people our age. Like those are the restaurants where you had Vietnamese food for the first time, right? Oh, your, yeah. Your first vermicelli bowl, your first bowl of pho, your first uh, shrimp and pork spring roll, your first crispy yeah. egg all roll, you know. All of those kind of dishes. Because their menu was so massive. So yeah. anything that you're probably eating now, you probably had it there first. <laughs> right. And and they have a whole Chinese menu too. I mean, that's what's so crazy is you could get you could get sesame chicken and a vermicelli bowl, right? Like uh like my favorite wonton soup in Houston comes from Kim San. Yeah. So they they do it all. Uh they do it well. Obviously still the the downtown Edo location on Jefferson Street, uh not going anywhere. And that's then they, that massive, that massive Chinatown location with the buffet and everything, super popular. That's not going anywhere. Uh, and in fact, some of the dim sum dishes from the Stafford location are going to migrate to Chinatown. So at least if you like that restaurant, you can still get some of those dishes. Fun fact, you're talking about the soup. So whenever I'm like, and I really don't get sick, but if I get sick and someone's like, do you want anything? I go, could you give me some healing powers? My friends know some healing power soup. It's the wonton soup from Kim Sun. Call it the healing power. That one, I don't know. I don't know what it is about though. I eat that wonton soup in all weather. I eat it when it's 95 degrees out. I eat it when it's 40 degrees out. It is, it is incredibly delicious. And, and I live close enough to that downtown location that it's in my rotation. Uh, and just, just about Fubbin by night. I mean, this is the one that was opened by the children of Fubbin, of the people who opened Fubbin trailer, uh, which also just closed recently. And, and in some ways it was kind of the one that, that best replicated the the recipe of the trailer, right? Like it, yeah. it, it, the broth that tasted the most similar. And then they they had that whole late night thing, which made it incredibly popular uh, with people in the restaurant industry. And and that you could get it with the bone marrow, right? Just just like this this big scoop of just fatty, yeah. delicious bone marrow uh, was such a revolution when they first opened that place. So you know, I, again, like it's been a while since I've been to Fubbin by Night, but. I think I think very fondly of it. I, I've had many very delicious meals there, and and it's this is a restaurant people are going to miss a lot. I think I do too. Thank you for all the years and all the memories. That's right. All right, and then uh, one more kind of downbeat note for topic number three. Baba Yaga, the Montrose Brunch Institution, had been on track to finally reopen this fall after being closed since 2018 by a fire. But then in August, they had an electrical fire that damaged some of the renovations. So now that that reopening is pushed back to 2024. Uh, Felice, I, I don't know that we have a whole lot to say about this, but uh, any any thoughts you want to share on Baba Yaga and kind of what you what you hope will happen when it whenever it finally reopens? You know, I just hope that people go, you know, support it and give it the love it needs because once you keep pushing things back and you have tragedies and things like that, you just, you know, you don't want people to forget you, right? So I just hope people 
will they just are thriving when they open up the best of luck to them. That's that's what I hope for them. No, I, I think that's right. I think, you know, you, you get to be sort of out of sight, out of mind. And it's going to feel, you know, it's going to have a whole new look. It's going to have a new menu because it's it's now owned by uh, the same family that owns Hungry's. And so some of that stuff is going to be different. And so, you know, I, I think it's it's very easy and and a little cynical to just sort of cross your arm, put your arms across your chest and say, you know, Montrose is changing. Montrose is ruined. Montrose is, isn't the same anymore. And and I don't I don't want to go back to this Bobby. You know, this Bobby Ega is not the Bobby Ega I remember from ten years ago. Whatever, whatever. It's like you know, look, you know, the, the new ownership. They right, things evolve, things change. The new ownership understands Bobby Ega's relationship to the neighborhood. They are committed to opening a restaurant that the people can feel good at that'll host big groups, just like it always has. So yeah, I think I'm with you. I hope I hope that people really embrace this when, when, whenever it reopens and under whatever circumstances, I hope people embrace it. All right, Felice, I'm going to say that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurant of the week. Stick around. least for our restaurant of the week, I want to talk to you about Balboa Surf Club. This is the new seafood restaurant at the corner of Post Oak and San Felipe from Western Edition, the Dallas-based restaurant group behind Il Bracco, the Italian restaurant that is also in the Post Oak Plaza shopping center. Felice, I, I want to I, I want to have like a I want to have sort of two versions of this conversation. I want to I want to start with just focused on our meal at Balboa and then as you said, we we've been to a lot of seafood restaurants recently, so I want to I want to kind of put this place in context for people. But but just start just start with your kind of first impressions. You walk in the door; it's got that that big brutalist kind of uh, you know Brazilian brutalist inspired entryway that that shoots up 20, 30 feet into the sky. What were your kind of first impressions when you walked in? Yeah, when I first walked in, I was trying to figure out. Gosh, it it puts me in the mind of something, right? Like. I didn't know what it was, but it felt good. I'm like, I'm not in Houston anymore. And it's so funny because I got there pretty early and it had, it already had like a bustling, kind of like you said, it already had like a bustling energy. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be a good night. But in a way that it was kind of um, like dark and moody a little bit, but it still felt very light and airy, like as if I was somewhere, a coastal maybe. I don't know. It just, it put me in that feel. Like it's very, and you know, I don't like like kind of dark moody places that remind me of steakhouses. So it had a good ambiance, had a good energy. And as the night went on, it, I was just like telling you, man, this, this place is like the place to be. I, I was transformed. So I love the energy, um, the aesthetics of the place. Then um, I finally put my finger on it. Right, I was like, "Oh, what? Did I, what? What did I say to you? I said something like, I can't even remember. But um, I'm like, I've been to one of their places before. You're like, well, yeah. Well, um, right, right. If you like, if you like that kind of mid-century modern, very contemporary look of Il Bracco, then you will, you will find. It, it, not that they look alike, right? They, no. they they look completely different, but they have kind of the same feel, kind of that that 
you know, a lot of wood, a lot of plant life, you know, you know, their family. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know that they're cousins, right? right. You know once that they're you, related. Once you put your finger on it, you're like, oh, right. Got it. And, and I like that it doesn't, you can open a seafood restaurant and it doesn't have to have like fish on the walls or a giant fish what? tank or like, you know, right. boat netting or, or lobster traps or like, you know, all this kind of stuff. It like, it can just look like a, like a really elegant, you know, modern restaurant and just have a bunch of seafood on the menu. And, right, and, right. and like you said, you know, you walk in and immediately behind the hostess stand, the whole wall is just like the bar, you know, and that kind of yeah. runs the, the length of the room. And then you, you sort of go to your left and the dining room is like, you know, up a couple of steps. So you sort of can look out on, on what's going on around you. And, and it's mostly booths. It's, it's very comfortable um, yeah. and very pretty. And so, yeah, it's, it does have that like, and and this is the hot new spot in the Galleria, right? So there is that like sense of excitement. You know, we saw people that we knew there. It, it's just it has that kind of like this is this is the place to be right yeah. now. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. All right. And then and then talk to me about talk to me about the food. I mean, what were what were some of your favorite things that we ate at Balboa? Definitely, and um, I love their spin on things on some of the classics or things that we normally would eat. But they put their spin on it. Like I loved the the oysters. They had fried oysters, but um, they had like they weren't just regular fried oysters, right? They had their little they had a kick, they had a spin to them. The crab cake blew me away. It's in the top. So some I think uh, one of our our dining guests Nathan said, "Oh, this is my favorite. This is the best in the city." I said, "No, Nathan, don't go around throwing." things like that now that no wait a minute so we had to get one and it definitely lived up to the hype it was probably what between that between that and I right think somewhere between seven. lock bar vic and anthony's yes and balboa <laughs> pick your favorite you know Correct. i'm not i'm not gonna say that they're they're all a little different they're all extremely delicious it's really just like but this but yes but you know they've been open for a couple of weeks yeah. And already that that crab cake is is must order and it's 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 forty five dollars, which is uh not insubstantial to be sure. But I suggest you just they they present it as a as an entree option. Yeah, but it's I huge, think the though. move is it's huge. It's, right. Well, it's big enough to be an entree, but yes, I think the move is. is is to get it and split it, right? Like yeah. just you know, consider it either a hearty appetizer or an accompaniment to your mains and just get one and split it because it was it's so good, you gotta get it. Yeah. And then um, I think between that, your miso salmon and the sushi, I was I, I was like, OK, this is this definitely has a place in my heart and on my list. And I know we'll talk about, you know, the list of where we will put it later. But I was pleasantly surprised. And the funny part, you know, I'm not a dessert girl like that. But but the desserts, though. The dessert, sir. Uh, and I will say all of them. We, I think we tried, I don't know if we tried we, all of them. We there's, had four. There's, there's four desserts and we had all four. Yes. We had, yeah, we had so all So I would say get, save room for dessert from a non dessert girl. Well, and, and just, just, you know, there's the chocolate pie, there's the pineapple upside down cake, there's their quattro leches, and then there's a caramel sundae. And the one thing about all four of them is they have the right amount of salt, right? They're, they're not just, they're not just sugar bombs. They they're 
there's a counterpoint in all of those desserts that kind of balances them out a little bit uh, and makes them very easy to eat uh, because the seasoning is right. And, and that's, you know, if, if, if that's the tie that binds between the Bracco and Balboa, it's, it's not that they have any overlapping dishes at all. Right. But, but that they have this, like this commonality of, of having dishes that you could just tell have been very carefully researched and are very precisely executed to be, you know, similar or, or the same across multiple visits. And, and, you know, you mentioned the sushi and I always feel a little bit skeptical ordering sushi at not a sushi restaurant. And I'm not going to say that this is like, you know, for the, for the purists out there, this probably is not for you, but that nigiri holds its own, right? It's, it's, oh yeah, you know, they're making the rice fresh, you know, they're, they're, they're cutting it to order. It's, it's very tasty. And, and, you know, we didn't have any, we had that uh, king crab hand roll with the butter poached crab in it that is just that. as decadent and delicious a bite as as anything I've had recently. And, you know, it's 17 bucks for a hand roll, which is bordering on kind of outrageous, but it's so good that it's, it's almost like you got to get it. It's one of my best bites that, like, just like for a pure, like you say, your best bite, when I bit into it, I was heaven it's one of the best bites i've had in a while yeah right so uh, you know we talk about would you go back i think it's very clear both of us will go back yeah definitely i can't wait to go back actually to tackle some of the other dishes on the menu that were non-seafood yeah um, i, I, I wanna... really want to try i really want to try the burger you know the, the i want to try that is, burger yeah the only thing we should say is that you got a fish sandwich and that was the only thing like you know we got a we got a ribeye i got a miso salmon another friend of ours got a salad we got a bunch of appetizers, fried oysters and and seafood cocktail and all of these things. The only thing that kind of missed for me was your fish sandwich. It was just, yes, it was a little under seasoned. It was under seasoned. It was underwhelming. I was like, if that was the only thing I had, I would have been disappointed because I would have been like, oh, um, just because it just lacked seasoning. Right. It just. Yeah. yeah they missed the mark there. Yeah. And I. You know, I I was just praising their consistency and their execution, but it does seem like it does seem like maybe that one fell through the cracks. But you know, yeah. again, they've been open they've been open for like uh, less than two weeks, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold that against them too much. I I would be curious to try that fish sandwich again just to see if it was uh, more to my liking. But uh, yeah, I do feel like we have to be balanced and and be honest about our experience. All right, so now, right, we've been to Balboa. We've been to Little's Oyster Bar and we've been to Navy Blue. And, you know, whenever people message me, they, you know, which one should I go to? Or what they what they really ask is which one is better? And and I'm just yeah, gonna jump right out and say and say, I'm not gonna I, I don't think one is better than the other, right? I think they're all very good and very worthy of a visit. And I think people will enjoy their meals there. But but let me just ask you. Having been to all three, what are the circumstances under, like, if someone said, help me pick, how would you help them pick? How would you help them decide which one to go to? So, good question. If I would find out how much, you know, what's the occasion? Like, oh, okay, it's a date night. I probably would take them to Navy Blue more on a date night because it is 
not as loud and just pure ambiance, right? So I'm thinking navy blue, then maybe littles. Because um, all of them, let me just put them all there. All you going to drop some coin, okay? So if you're going on the date night and you're like, well, which one's more affordable? Um, none of the above. I'm like, if you're trying to be cheap, you're not going to any of them. But I would say date night, navy blue. You're hanging with your, your people. Like, you know, you're having drinks and um, a couple of light bites. Probably that's going to be between Littles and Balboa, right? And then other than then, then the next category is like, I'm just in the mood for seafood, you know, and you kind of falling. I'm going to say start early, do a progressive night, and hit all three. That's how I roll. <laughs> that's how I roll, okay? All they right. asked me. They asked me. I'm going to give, I'm going to give the people what they want. I tell you all the time. Yep. All right. All right. So I, I I have a slightly different perspective on this. I think <laughs> I think my date night would actually be Littles. Okay. Because I like that. I like that caviar. I like that. I like that wine list. I like how intimate it is. It's it's so much physically smaller than the other two restaurants. And I just I just love the way that room feels. And I that menu's really easy. You can like you can get a couple things and share it really easily. Uh so I like that about Littles. If I were going all out, right? Price, no object, big birthday, anniversary, whatever, whatever. Navy blue. Uh-huh. Dinner with a group, dinner with friends, like weeknight, weekend, whatever. But like, you know, somebody's like, somebody doesn't necessarily want. And and they all have non-seafood options on their menus. But like, right. I think the non-seafood options at Balboa are slightly more compelling. And yep. so if I were doing like a group thing where you don't quite know what everybody's going to want, I would, I would definitely do Balboa. And I say that, but like, you can, you can do date night at any of these restaurants. You can do the any. birthday at any of these restaurants. You can do weeknight dinner at any of these restaurants. It really just kind of depends on, on, you know, how price sensitive you are and kind of what you like, but that's kind of how I would, that's kind of how I divide it up, at least in my mind for now. Yep. No, that's good. We're on the same page. Absolutely. All right, Felice, I'm going to say that does it for our restaurant of the week. Thank you very much. Thank you, Eric. All right. And that does it for today's show. Thanks so much for listening. Join me on Thursday when my guests will be Elaine Vergeroli and Felipe Botero from Le Jardin.